Hey everyone, this is Jesse, George, and Robert, and this is BitBytes, an analytical discussion about gaming. Thanks for joining us. This is going to be a bit of a departure from our normal format of thinking ahead of time of a topic and doing some research and thinking things through. This is more of a, hey, we just finished some games and we want to talk about them because we're excited. I, Jesse, just finished the Spider-Man game, as I'm sure, as I'm sure a lot of people have uh, recently. And George? I have, I'm one step away from finishing uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. This is, not, this is not yet finished. <laughs> and Robert didn't finish anything. I didn't, but I'll ask you questions about your games. That sounds good. So, Jesse, I feel like you like Spider-Man a lot. Yeah, I sort of been uh, rambling about it the past week. Okay, uh, this is going to contain spoilers. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to address heavy plot spoilers, but like, there's going to be things in the game that really excite me that I'm probably going to speak up about. So, yeah, spoiler warning. You have been warned. Uh, Spider-Man. This is, I mean, I think this goes without saying, but the best Spider-Man game out there. We've talked on this podcast before about, I think all of us sort of appreciate a solid story in a game, and this delivers. And it surprised me because, hey, you know, what we have three movie series, how many TV shows, and we, we all know, even if you haven't read a single comic, such as myself, we all know Spider-Man's story. And I thought, okay, well, even if they do a story, I'm going to know basically what they're going to do. And even knowing his main villains and, you know, his his uh, his aunt, MJ, Miles, uh, they still were able to put a, a fresh spin on things while feeling like they stayed true to the character of Peter Parker. Yeah, I was just thoroughly impressed that how engaged I was in a story that I've heard several times already in other forms of media. So how do they pull that off? Uh, I think one big thing is, which the recent uh, Spider-Man mo- Marvel Homecoming movie did well, was just completely skip the whole Uncle Ben backstory. Oh, like, poor Uncle Ben. They realize people know freaking Peter Parker's backstory. Let's not rehash. So you're spit right into him being Spider-Man eight years already. So I think he's like 23 in the game. And he obviously has a, I know what I'm doing. Your, your basically tutorial sequence is like taking down a massive boss for in the game, but it's also a major villain, Fisk, um, in the story. So you feel like legitimate. You feel like, yeah, I'm, I can do all these moves because I've been doing this for eight years, even when you have the player have not. So they, they sort of just throw you right on in and uh, they don't really uh, apologize for it. And I think... I personally appreciate longer tutorials or drawn out tutorials just because I really want to know a move set before moving on to the next one. They were able to easily stack up moves through the skill tree. Um, so they, they gave you the basics and they made those basics look awesome. Um, so you, you feel like even though you're doing simple moves right off the bat, the way his character moves in game is amazing. While I would, while I never played the Batman Arkham games, um, just from viewing gameplay and trailers, it seems he's more like a, a brick wall, like a brute force type of fighter. And Spider-Man is all parkour, all about dodging. 
um, all about fighting in the air. Like, if you're just trying to punch someone on the ground, you're going to be knocked out, and um, it's not going to end well for you. So it's, they encourage you to dodge under legs, to pull web people to walls, to web people to the ground, pull them up in the air, fight them in the air. It's amazing um, how long you can end up staying in the air by the end of the game. Yeah, it just it feels really fun, and the moves feel like Spider-Man. And I can't believe I've talked this long about this game and have not touched on swinging through the city because the minute they gave me fast travel, I never used it. Yes. <laughs> I really enjoyed what? swinging through the city. The city is really well laid out. I, I know it's not a perfect representation to New York City, but it's it's very close. And I like even if I have to go from South Side all the way to the North Side, it's not. I'm like, I don't feel like, oh, I gotta go over there. It's I'm like, yay, I get to swing over there. How fast can I do it? Physics feels real in this game. Uh, physics affects uh, your swing and your speed. So on the taller heights you're jumping down from, waiting to the last possible moment, making sure you're jumping up off at the height of a swing, and then waiting until you gain momentum falling back to the ground. Like that does affect your speed. Mm. Um, and even when you you hit a hit a building, <laughs> it's not the worst because you immediately go into like a parkour run um, up the side of the, the wall. So until your next jumping off point. And speaking of jumping off points, almost every pole, every sign, anything that you could get a footing on is something you can web to. Like I, it's very difficult to find something you cannot web to and use mm. that as like a to just jump around an area. It's very quick, and you can even use those as speed boosts when you're swinging, um, if you just want to do like a run from rooftop to rooftop thing. Yeah, it just feels good to play. So I've never come across a game where I didn't utilize fast travel <laughs> the way I, I, yeah, I just, I, I maybe used it three times in this game. And Do you have to travel long distances? The way they lay it out, so they immediately, they give you your first story mission, which is you're sort of forced to go through to learn the movesets. But after that, New York opens up. So they have a lot of like your classic role-playing tasks around the world. You have your like list to knock out. But even those, I never, they never felt tedious because one, I love traveling around the city to find them. And two, they always related back into the story somehow. So the common one that a lot of reviewers are talking about are the backpacks. So there's a certain number of backpacks laid throughout the city that have been webbed to walls that he's forgotten. Um, also, side note, a lot of people have been saying, if Peter Parker's so broke, how does he have money for all these 40-something backpacks? And I'm like, if you actually paid attention to the game, in one of those backpacks is reward. He won some science fair, and the winnings was lifetime backpacks. So, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, no. <laughs> Pay attention, people. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so, like I just said, inside each backpack is a story item that tells a little piece of history from those eight years that you missed. Mm. So, and a lot of times it's stuff that you know about Peter Parker's uh, life already, um, and it's just a little audio tidbit and a little model that you can look at. So, like, for instance, one might be a menu to the first dinner date he took MJ to, and he's commenting, like, oh, I can only take her, like, only to place that a dollar section, and little story and character bits are thrown into each of these missions. So 
Like, you'll have backpacks, you'll have his friend, uh, Harry Osborne. He doesn't show up in game, in person, but he has a lot of audio recordings because there's like little science centers around the city that have like little science-related challenges that tie in you learn about, a lot about Harry, even though not seeing him at all in the game personally. And you feel like, okay, these are side missions related to science and Peter Parker's character, you know, as a scientist, I think. It still fits, it's, they're not arbitrary missions. So speaking of par- Peter Parker as a scientist, uh, a lot of emphasis is put on his life outside of Spider-Man. And uh, while you're definitely most of the time playing as Spider-Man, a lot of story points come back to you getting out of the suit and then talking to someone as Peter Parker. And you definitely get the sense of like, oh, I wanna, I, I feel like I could do just as much good as um, Peter Parker as I can Spider-Man. So uh, I really am glad they didn't shove his real life to the side. So can you play through those sequences? Like, do you have dialogue options where you can have some There's agency? no dialogue options at all in this game. It's not okay. like that. It's very much they have a story. You're sticking to it. You're playing through it. But during those sections, they have, like, puzzles, like, science, science-y puzzles to do, which I, I really like puzzle stuff, so I was totally okay with that. It's definitely you're not doing as much. Like I said, they're more story cinematic moments, but I don't think this would be the same game without them. And you also, at points in the story, switch to MJ or Miles. So you're playing as a human, you know, no superpowers. So like a lot of times it's sneaking around missions and fact-finding missions. Um, So just avoid the guards type of thing. But as uh, simple as that play style is, like it's all, everything they give you relates back to the story. So it's not just like an arbitrary, oh, you got to go do this. And yeah, you get to play as MJ, but no, it's... MJ is a reporter. She's trying to find out information that ultimately is going to tie back into your mission as uh, Spider-Man. So there's there's nothing that doesn't contribute to the narrative, which I really appreciate. That's cool. So you have motivation to do well in those sequences because it's tied to your other, the grander story, I guess. Yeah. That's cool. I, de- I definitely think that those are probably the slower. It slowed the pacing a bit because you're so used to this high action swing around as Spider-Man. And then, oh, okay, you got to play a mission as someone that, you know, walks, crouch, walks very slowly. <laughs> but they're always narrating while they're, while they're, you know, doing their missions. And they kept me interested while I was playing as them. And also, it helped get me invested in those characters, too. So when they did show up in Spider-Man cutscenes, I, I gave a shit. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I, I would like to say that MJ was done very well in this game. She was definitely not a sideline character. That was a big part of her arc was like, hey, I'm not with you because you just wanted me to be at home and be safe. And like, I want to be out there helping the world too. And I'm a reporter and I want to get where the action is. And a lot of times that's dangerous, but that's what she wants to do. So she was definitely a well-utilized character. And I really appreciated that. That's cool. Yeah, and uh, there's so much I could say about this game. <laughs> okay, so some questions based okay. on what you said. So the tutorial sequence, 
is being thrown up against a major boss. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a high stakes situation. Yeah. Is the approach in that to throw you into something that's just as challenging as the rest of the game, but to kind of show you how to do things on some level while you're doing that? Like, I don't know, is it a ramping up of challenge and then you get kind of thrown into the open world and then it's like up to you or? Yeah. So this whole like mission is like, okay, we're outside the building and there's people on the ground. So here's a load of punch and fight on the ground. Okay, let's go inside the building. Oh no, they've got RPGs. <laughs> uh, how do you deal with that? Then they ramp it up. Oh no, these are heavies. How do you deal with heavies? And it's sort of like, it's that ramp up to the boss. It's like if you got into the final Bowser dungeon in Mario and like, yeah, they're gonna still throw your, your Koopas at the beginning, but it's gonna ramp up. So, I mean, of course all the enemies are you know, at that level, you can handle them. But um, it it felt intense, even though, like, in in my mind, I know, okay, they're teaching me how to play, but they made it feel intense. So it, uh, I think it also merges QuickTime, uh, is that what it's called? Quick yeah, QuickTime events. Time events. Yeah. yeah. Very well with just your, your normal gameplay. A lot of times, there's no harsh divide between... Normally, it's you have your normal gameplay, you get into a quick time event uh, that's sort of like the finisher, and then it'll go into full cutscene. And they never linger too long on these quick time events. It's sort of like that climax. Um, and I, I think that's sort of what quick time events are supposed to be for. And I think a lot of games now will just like default to a lot of the fight being just a quick time event. It was, it was a, it's a good transition back to the cinematics. So is the formula like you're doing regular combat and then you kind of like in a sense earn the opportunity to do the quick time event and then if you're successful it goes into cutscene? No, it's more like you're gonna inevitably, the quick time event is like practically a cinematic, but oh, gotcha. you know, it's instead of just like, oh, okay, you hit this boss three times in the specific <laughs> order, great, here's your, here's your cutscene. It's like, no, they they try to keep that action, that stress that you had playing him going by like doing this quick time cinematic oh. thing before fully going to, okay, you beat him, here's the cinematic for beating him. There's a point in the game that I think illustrates this really well, but uh, there's multiple points in this game actually where during these events, they call back to all of the other movies a lot. Like they'll set up the frame and what Spider-Man is doing, like the mirror. So like, what do you think in the the Raimi trilogy? You think of the train scene, right? Like, of course he gets a train scene at some point. Um, when I think of Homecoming, I think of that moment where the building has collapsed on him and he's trying to lift it up. They definitely take these moments and they insert them very cleverly into this game. So a lot of times moments like that, that'll be your like, your quick time uh, action scene. Yeah, it, it does, it shows a lot of love. It is its own universe. It has its own origin stories for everybody, even though it's loosely still tied back to the comics. Um, but I do see a lot of love for current Spider-Man media and Marvel media. I love one of the many things you can do around the city. They have the list, you take pictures of landmarks. So a good number of those landmarks are like, there's the Avengers Tower. There's the Wakanda Embassy. <laughs> there's damage control. Like, uh, there's there's a lot of building. Like, I ended up being surprised. But I'm like, wow, there are a lot of Marvel places in New York. Um, 
not just movies, but the Netflix series too. You have your um, Defenders, is that what it is? Defender locations in there, so. I know it's a separate universe from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but it still felt like spiritually a part of it. So, very happy. And let's be honest, if there was a connection to be made, you would make it somehow. <laughs> uh, they, they like throw little hints in there. Like I, I was bringing this up earlier with you guys, but uh, in the opening cutscene, when it's panning around in his room, I highly encourage people to like pause and zoom in at certain points because it's like, of course, a cluttered room, and he has post-it notes everywhere, and like there's just little hints of things, photos and newspaper clippings, and and like some of those like post-it notes will say things that like call. Uh, T.S. back regarding job offer like okay well that's gotta be Tony Stark or cute little things to like find out Yuri's birthday and like you end up having a really great relationship with um, the, the lead cop in in this game and it's like oh that's just sweet little tidbits that show you know character development and they pull off sticking you right into the middle of his eight year journey so well yeah Cool. Yeah. So that's a lot of positive energy around the game. Mm-hmm. Um, not to <laughs> not to turn it into Debbie Downer session, yeah. but is there anything in all this that you're kind of like maybe wish was just even slightly different, even if it's just a personal taste thing? Um, I came across two instances where uh, it, the game broke for me. <laughs> Oh no, no, what happened? One of them was during the final boss fight too. I was like, no, I had to kill myself in order to like uh, unbreak it. Another one was I spent a hour trying to like not have to redo what I did because it would have taken, it did take a while. I ended up not succeeding, but one of the enemies, it was like one of those areas where you have a locked area and you have to like, you know, defeat a certain number of enemies in that area. And the one there's one guy that somehow got inside of a building and you can't go inside of buildings without like the story letting you and uh i was just trying to kill him from the outside i'm like maybe if i shake the building hard enough (laughs) if i slam onto the ceiling hard enough uh i don't know how he got in there and that was uh, really upsetting because it was a really long section but um other than that i maybe i could say they they teased at a few characters that i was like I thought I would get to see such as um, it's the black cat character. She has a bunch of side missions, so you hear her voice or like you hear Harry Osborne's voice. And I thought at the end of this little game of cat and mouse, if I may. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> wait, wait, yes. wait, 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 wait. Cat and spider. Um, <laughs> I thought I'd get to see her, but no, apparently locked behind DLC. Oh but, no. But. I don't even care. I'm totally on board for DLC. Like, I enjoyed this game so much. I would be more pissed if there was no DLC and they like, oh, sequel, That that's for a sequel we might make. Um, oh, they're definitely making a sequel. They set up sequel bait so much. And they stayed true to Marvel Cinematic Universe fashion and they gave us like two mid uh, credit cutscenes. So ah. they reward you for staying till the end of the credits, do it. Um, definitely do it oh you know what there's another character which i think she's gonna be in dlc too but she um silver sable i think they show her off in the in the trailers as like a, not a true enemy but like a 
not an anti-hero, but, like, she's also a good guy, but she doesn't like you, and she's fighting against you. They sort of threw her in in the middle of the story, which is fine. She came in at a perfect moment. But then at the end, there was no true conclusion with her. She sort of just like, I'm going to rethink my life. Bye. <laughs> she she sort of uh, heads out before the conclusion. And now that I've like looked up the DLC content in one of the packs is called like Silver Lining or something like that. I'm like, okay, you're going to resolve that. I didn't really mind as much with the black cat because I did feel like, okay, I did all the missions and she was talking to me throughout it and if it's not in there it's not in there but with her uh it felt like a <coughs> chunk of the story was removed for dlc purposes mm. um yeah it that's probably my biggest gripe <laughs> about this game yeah that's fair enough uh, i i would say this game is like a lot of other rpgs where they have their set task li- they have their open world and they have their set like chores to do but they just don't feel like chores because when you enjoy traveling the world it doesn't feel like a task to do that and every chore relates back to the story or his character in a significant way you said you have like what 97 percent complete on the game yeah there's a few um towards the end uh i really just wanted to see how the story concluded i was really excited so there's probably like Maybe like eight or nine like side mission things I could still do. Is there any other special content that's revealed if you complete the game? For a hundred percent, yeah. So I don't necessarily think it's a completion thing, but and this or- is why I'm gonna go back in and you know finish this. But once you hit level fifty, um, you unlock I think a suit that lets you find secret photo locations. Um, but even then you can only find them by like on your mini map swinging by and then it'll like say, oh, you're near one. And then you have to like search that little area. Um, but I think even that is more just a sort of like a little like wink, wink. It's sort of like those landmark locations. I don't think it's not like you're going to get significant story or anything. I think it's going to be like, oh, hey, look at this cool thing. Um. So I think one of them that a lot of people I've seen have been raving about are like, oh, you gotta f- take a picture in front of the uh, gay pride flag. And then it's like little things they hide in the city that aren't just, you know, generic populated stuff. So yeah, uh, definitely can go back and do that <laughs> when I have another free three or four hours. Um, cool. Yeah. So it sounds like there's a lot of villains and yes all the in-betweens or just a lot of characters in general um i don't you have your core group of characters like good guy characters and it's small i i think and i i think that works fine because you can give enough time to each one of them um and part of that group turns into partly villain group so everyone knows doc ock story or octavius's story and like you know he starts off as a friendly and turns into a baddie and even knowing that they make you love this guy so much like you just feel for him he's a nice guy and it's like he is a is sort of that mentor role for peter in this game and even knowing all of the other media doc ock is in knowing his inevitable path like 
it's it hurts because I'm like, no, don't, I don't want you to. Every time they show a cutscene that like something like, oh, you see a little glimmer of what's gonna happen and it just hurts. And like the fact that they can do that after seeing his story so many times amazes me. Um, I think the voice acting also helps a lot. Um, the voice actors are really good. Um, they just felt like real people. So I was definitely uh, emotional at the end there. Like it's, it's, uh, it got me. <laughs> so I, I was, it, it didn't do the Marvel movie one-off bad villain thing. It was, um, they, they developed their villains. They, they have like, I think two main ones that you you get to know more intimately and then i'm sure you've seen from trailers but the sinister six show up you know at some point and those definitely are lacking a lot more but i don't think they would have had adequate time to really do anything with them they're really just thrown in there as like sub bosses yeah so i'm not disappointed with the sinister six characters that i don't i feel like they were necessary to put in there um, to up the ante. Like, you know from Spider-Man stories, like, oh man, this is a big deal that he's having to deal with all of them at once without having to go into each one specifically. Cool. So, is it a game that you can see yourself replaying a couple times? I think it depends on the person, but just like all I rewatch movies I like a lot, even though I know what's coming, I'll probably do the same with this game. Um, probably not immediately. Just I want, I'll probably wait a long time uh, after I 100% complete it, of course. But uh, just because I, I do want the emotion to be a bit fresh. Because um, mm -hmm. I do think it'll probably be diminished like the more and more times you repeat it. Just, uh, yeah, so I definitely think I will replay it just in the future. Actually, you know, by that point there'll probably be a sequel, so I'll be playing the sequel, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> if I'm going to be honest. Um, but yeah, and it's, I don't think it would be that re it'd be that hard to replay. It's like 20-30 hours if you play straight through, so. Cool, well I'm glad you liked it. I liked it so much, guys. You, you both need to play it. It's so good. Or if you don't play it, it's one of those games that I do think it's uh it's I don't I don't know if you guys have done this but go just watch the cutscenes that people mm. put playlists together on YouTube for like it's a adequate story just watching it that way so mm. yes thank you for listening to me <laughs> ramble about that game so I hope you had a similar fun time with your shadow shadow of the Tomb Raider shadow of the Tomb Raider um yeah it was like. I played the first two and they're awesome. I never, like beforehand, I was never like really that into Tomb Raider. Um, and then when they did the reboot and I got the first one, actually I think my brother got the first one and that's how I got hooked on it. They did a, a really good job with like making you feel like you were right there with her and like you felt what she was feeling in those moments of like, I'm you know, this is my first time doing this. I'm not, you know, uh, properly equipped with all this. And there's so many like dangers of doing something, you know, where 
you're going to all these different locations across the world and it's a fight for survival. And it's, and it's funny too. Cause it's like the stuff that happens to her is just like the worst luck that you could possibly have. And so, so the first one came out amazing. Second one came out, uh, even more amazing. And so with the third one, I had like super high hopes for the third one and it's good but there was definitely more stuff about this one that I wasn't so crazy about. And I don't know if it's more because my hopes were too high or it's like actual things that I think they could have improved uh, for the game. But all that to say, it is a lot of fun. The environments like graphic wise, it's one of the most beautiful games I've ever seen. You play most of the game in a city of Peru. I mean, you're in the Amazon jungle and the rainforest and all that kind of stuff. A city that you've been to? Actually, no. Oh, I thought you had gone there on your trip. No? Um, that's coming. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, I did some research um, about, like, because all this, because I recently went to Machu Picchu uh, for vacation and, you know, scale the mountain and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so that had extra special meaning in like the city that you end up going, uh, spending most of the time of the game in is called Paititi, which is a mythical, uh, lost city, um, which I think is in Peru. It's part of their, uh, folklore that's similar to El Dorado. This like kind of a lost city of gold type thing. But a lot of the architecture and stuff that's in the game is very similar to um, the ruins that we saw when we um, toured the Machu Picchu area. Even like it's it's a very, I think, realistic and accurate representation of what not only the buildings look like, but also their way of life. Um, because in the tours and stuff, they would tell you like how they farmed and how they, you know, um, the certain ceremonies and stuff that they would have. And as you're walking through the city, you see a lot of that, which I think is really cool. So the city is massive. So I haven't explored all of it because there's so many nooks and crannies and, you know, things go all over the place. So that's really cool. And then even some of the, cause you obviously you don't spend the entire game in the city. You go out into the jungle and you have your, you know, main missions and then you have like your side quests and stuff like that. Most of the story is centered or most of the game is centered around the main story. You do have side quests, but they're at least for me when I was playing it is not crucial to developing the story. It's like, if you do them, you get to kind of see more of like what life is like for the people that are, that live there. Um, but it's not like a major deal breaker if you, if you do the side quests and of course you get XP and money and all that kind of stuff. If you do the side quests. Do you feel like you get less of an experience if you just ignore them? Like, does the world feel as full if you ignore them? Like, is it busy work? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, like, does the side quest actually, like, you know, you just said that, like, you get a sense of the people that populate instead mm-hmm. of just, oh, turns a bunch of... Yeah, no, it's like the side quests are meaningful, um, at least from the couple that I've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's interesting how they come they come about is, 
uh, one of the new things in this one that wasn't so apparent in the previous two is there's actual even though there was people other people in the game there's an actual city with people that you can go and talk to not everyone but they have little icons above their heads um, for people that you can go and talk to um and so they'll tell you um about some of them will tell you different bits and pieces about their culture and their way of life but then there's also certain events that are triggered if you walk down a certain path or if you go into a certain area where something will unfold not as a quick time event like if you go down an alleyway you actually see something unfold in game and then that triggers a side quest because it's kind of like a prompting for you because you see something happen it's like oh what's going on i need to find you know more information about that and then you talk to the person that has the icon and stuff and then that's when the side quest you know happens and then obviously you have the option if you want to do it or not um you're not forced to do it as far as cutscenes and stuff like that goes with this game there's maybe a little bit more cutscenes than in the past games and I think also with the cutscenes, because they do this thing of some of them are full on cinematic cutscenes where you, you know, essentially take a seat and you watch events unfold. But then they have other things that are more interactive that you have to do stuff, but it's framed in a certain way and it's done in a certain way where you push like your movement forward or something like that and, you know, something unfolds. I was a little disappointed that there are more actual cutscene versus interactive cutscenes, which I really liked in the previous two games, that there was less of in this one. And I think there's a little bit more cutscenes, so you get less time actually getting to move around and do stuff. That being said, you still have plenty of time and stuff like that, but it's just like one of those little small things that's like, oh man, I wish they had. When you say interactive, do you mean like dialogue choices or? No, not so much dialogue choices. It's more of like something in the main story or in a side quest or something like that will happen where um, you could be uh, underwater and there you feel a tremor or something like that and there's like a sign of an earthquake or something like that. So you go a little bit further forward um, and you're going into like this tunnel underwater and then the earthquake actually starts to happen. Everything starts shaking. Things start falling like rocks and stuff like that. And then you're forced into a smaller and smaller part of the cave to get out. And then obviously you, at that point, it becomes like this narrow little space where you have to like basically inch your way through. Mm -hmm. And the only thing you do is, you know, you move forward to actually move her forward. There was less of that kind of stuff. They stick to a similar formula um, from the past games to where it's kind of like that classic Metroid thing, or at least with the Metroid Prime games is where like you start out with a pretty large arsenal when you first start the game but then there's you come to a point where you kind of lose all that stuff and they do that in this game but i thought one of the things that i thought was kind of cool with this one is how you the gear that you start with versus the gear that you end up losing and then acquiring again is not the exact same gear um so you start out with an actual blade at the beginning of the game but when you lose all your stuff, what you end up actually doing is you end up prying a piece off of a downed airplane and then making a makeshift handle and that becomes your blade for the rest of the game. And then they they do that in a similar fashion with the bow that you find too. So that was like, that was pretty cool because it was kind of more of a, a actual survivalist type yeah, experience. Yeah, like 
story thing then. Uh, yeah. Oh, here's all my exact same gear again. How'd that happen? I don't know. We're just going to ignore it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the uh, combat is a lot of fun. They've done, they've kind of upped it a little bit from the past games in terms of your options to be able to take out soldiers and stuff like that. Because being in a jungle, there's a lot of vegetation and all that kind of stuff. So you can, you have the option to like cover yourself in mud in certain areas. And there are walls and stuff, uh, depending on the environment that you're in, where you can basically inch yourself across these walls and there's like mud coating the walls. So you basically just kind of blend in. That is so cool. Yeah, it's pretty, it is pretty cool. Um, and then you just wait for, you know, passersby to come by and then you can knock them out. Or there's trees that have scratch marks on them and you can use those trees to climb up onto outcropping branches and then you can use your bow um, in tandem with rope that you find um, to basically fire arrows at enemies that come too close to you and you basically get to hang them. It's like... You're describing one of the main Spider-Man moves, like oh really? Perch, and then you web them up. <laughs> oh nice, like, <laughs> yeah. And then the everybody, and then everybody around them like sees that and start freaking out yeah. and everything, um, which is great. Oh, is that an intimidation move? Kind of, um, like you actually do end up killing them. So it's like they are silenced and stuff. But if there's other people around and they don't see you, like after the deed is done, but they end up seeing them later, they start, you know, freaking out and they go on like high alert and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that, that's another really cool aspect of it. They also, as kind of a next step from the second to the third one, they've incorporated, you can build your own clothing. You're given a set of like costumes at the beginning, but they don't really add uh, any attributes or anything. But then you can find materials uh, throughout the game that allow you to craft um, other pieces of clothing and stuff like that that do give you uh, certain attributes and stuff like that, which may be, you know, increased damage resistance or, you know, other types of stuff. Um, I haven't done a whole lot of that. And that's another kind of beef that I have with the game is that. It wasn't until I got towards the very end of the game that actually, because there's a merchant shop um, in the city of Paititi, and it's pretty cool because it's it's kind of like um, if you ever go to like a foreign country or something like that, they have like the local market and stuff like that, so it's set up like that. And that's where I found like, oh, that's how I get a bigger pouch to increase the amount of uh, materials that I can carry because you need materials to craft upgrades for your weapons um, and to build the clothing. But it wasn't until towards the very end and I found that merchant that's like, oh, that's where I can get more, you know, um, carrying capacity. So that was kind of, a, I think, a little bit of a, a bummer because I think the, from the last game, you didn't have to go to a merchant. You just automatically bought it when you go to campfires, which is where you upgrade all of your skills and gear. So maybe making it more a bit more realistic in terms of the story. Yeah. But you didn't really expect that right. from your previous experience. Yeah. Okay. And one of the other things, too, that I was kind of, like, miffed about a little bit was, at least at first, not so much afterwards, but because it was a different developer than the past two games, even though it was in collaboration with the same company, some of the user interface uh, uh, stuff was a bit confusing at first like your skill tree and that kind of stuff and how that's broken out 
was kind of confusing until after the first like hour and a half, two hours that you play was kind of complicated. What would you say is the main, what, like, what's the crux of the issue there? Is it just like a UI design thing in and of itself or is there too many things going on at once? It's difficult to say. I think like the user design is, f- I don't know, it may be a, a bit of both. Um, I think it's a combination of the user design and just how it's laid out. It's just like, oh my gosh, there's so many different options. Do they present you with all of the options right from the get-go? They don't kind of dole it out in chunks? They do present all the options at first, but you don't have access to all the options at first. So you have your core set of abilities and you, you continuously get more or certain types of ones by progressing through the story. You get to kind of see everything with the exception of a few, all of them up front before. So it's like, whoa, okay. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that I can uh, upgrade. The music in the game is pretty good. That being said, it's not like the most amazing thing you've ever heard, but I do think it like it fits the story well. Um, and the types of instruments that they use, um, it's very like rhythmic, um, a lot of drums, uh, and it feels kind of like what you feel in the jungle is like this kind of, barbaric wild going back to the graphics there are environments that you're in like what sometimes like late at night or like early morning and stuff like that like when you're inside the jungle that is pretty freaking cool they do a lot of like uh volumetric light and that sort of stuff um and there's even certain parts of the main storyline where you have to fight certain animals one of the situations is you had to fight uh jaguars um, but you fight them at night or your first encounter with them is at night and the way that you're introduced to them is really cool because it's like moonlight is like backlighting these jaguars that are on branches oh. and stuff and then like you look up and see them and they're kind of silhouette except with the little outline from the light and then their like eyes are glowing and stuff mm-hmm. um, was pr- like I felt kind of you know how she probably felt you know to a degree with like encountering something like that, which is, is pretty cool. Get yourself in a dark room, close to the TV. Yeah. (laughs) Headphones. Bam. Exactly. I think it's interesting that you're talking up the graphic aspect of the game. I guess it may be more in the way that they're using the technology and less about the fidelity of it, I guess is what I'm hearing, but Mm. you're playing it on Xbox, right? Yes. I wanted to play, I wanted to play it on PC, but in order to take full advantage of, because I think this is one of the first games that is taking advantage of real-time ray tracing. Um, And in order to actually have that as an available feature, you need a, uh, the newest GPU that NVIDIA has doled out um, in order to access that. For the benefit of the doubt, what is ray tracing? (laughs) And what is real-time ray tracing more specifically? Ray tracing has to do with creating real light or lifelike lighting in terms of how light bounces off of objects. And ray tracing is kind of similar to what you would have with if you were to take a image from a computer, which is normally generated by pixels, and then contrast that with something like a vector image which doesn't go by pixels, but goes by 
I guess it's like, yeah. <laughs> um, is it's more of like almost like an organic look versus like a blocky look. And so that requires a tremendous amount of horsepower because in terms of a graphic side, because there's so many different calculations that are going on at one time for like a single frame, because there's so much light bouncing off of all these different objects that it requires serious computational power to do that. So naturally I wanted to play this game on the highest visual fidelity possible. Cause I'm sure even playing on the, the Xbox one is just like unreal. I can only imagine what it's like with the fully decked out uh, PC. They even have on YouTube like tech demos of stuff where they show it like toggled on and off with the real time ray tracing. And it's like, it's crazy. That's cool. Might be a little bit dangerous to say this definitively now because I know you haven't quite finished it. But how would you say the way they handle story, how does it compare to the other titles? Stories told in Tomb Raider are slight, I feel like slightly different from like what you would normally get in a, there's no boss battles in Tomb Raider. It's more about exploring these tombs and solving puzzles, but then also stealthily trying to circumvent this organization called Trinity. It's almost, a lot, it's a lot like uh, the the movie National Treasure, even though it's a terrible movie. But at the core of it, it's pretty cool that there you are this person who finds these crazy clues about all these historical documents. Um, but then there's this other faction that's trying to thwart you. And so you are, it's basically like a race. It's like you're trying to get these items that are relics um, that are uh, in the inside these tombs that have a historical connection and context to um, actual historical events. So in terms of, I guess, the, the story for this one, it's kind of cool because it's you're basically, as with the other two games, you start off in like a, you're thrown into an environment, you, you play for like 10, 15, 20 minutes, then it goes back to like two weeks later or something like that because it, it sets it up as like you're thrown into this crazy environment, then stuff like starts to ramp up and then something crazy happens, but it cuts off before it finishes. And it's like three weeks earlier or something like that. Um, and then you that's when you start to get like the actual foundation of the story and everything. They start, they throw you right in the middle. Yeah. With no context. Right. Yeah. Exactly. They call that the Breaking Bad open. <laughs> but it's cool because this one, you take an object then the three weeks earlier in Cozumel, Mexico, that basically sets off uh, or starts, is supposed to start the apocalypse. And so when you take this item, not knowing, I guess, the full gravitation of like what you've done, it's kind of like out of not knowing the whole piece of the puzzle, you take this, uh, this relic from this tomb and probably like 30 minutes of playtime later, a flood comes in and like floods the city. And then this person who you're introduced in that, in that flashback, um, who's your main like rival in this whole thing is like, basically tells you you're an idiot and that you've started the whole apocalypse in motion. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, whoopsies is right. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And so, yeah, your whole thing is to try and thwart this guy, though, because he has these delusions of, because if you get all these items, you basically, I guess, become God in a sense, and you're able to, like, you're given tremendous power. Thanos. Yeah. <laughs> and so the whole, your precedence for moving forward and everything is that you're racing them, trying to solve all these clues and all these puzzles in order to get these other items that you need in order to basically complete the whole piece and become like a god. Just from hearing you talk about it, I'm already like spotting some some big differences between the two games we've been talking about and like whether that's a pro or a con depending on the player too but um from that like light plot overview you just gave us it seems like it doesn't seem personal to her it's more like a giant world ending event or this big baddie is gonna you know well it actually there's a plot twist that comes later in the game um where it becomes extremely personal um, because you're given, okay, so one of the things that is done different in this game compared to the past games is you actually get to be her as a child. Mm-hmm. And you have a couple little uh, things that you do. She basically plays adventurer or stuff like that. And so you get to play in her house, the home that she lives in, and you're actually introduced to her mother, um, which you haven't seen in the past two games. And you get to see more of her father, which you haven't really seen in the past two games either. Um, but there's something that happens to the father that you initially think is a suicide, but it becomes very personal in the game. I think that, and this is just my personal preference, but the movies I tend to like and the games I tend to like make it personal. It's okay if it gets to like world ending levels. Like that's something I loved about Horizon is her whole journey started. It's a very personal journey and just that happens to line up with larger world events. So, like, with a Spider-Man game, the whole story is just, yeah, it, it's personal the whole way through, um, and it ends up affecting the larger city. It sounds like with your game, it started impersonal, but it got to that personal level. Yeah, well, it's weird the way that they did it. Um, I think they could have done it a different way to to make the gravity of, like, what happens more serious because uh, I think it, it, it felt more of like a thing like oh yeah by the way this happened you know and it didn't feel as significant as I think as if they had done it maybe I don't know how they should have done it but the way that they did do it was mm-hmm. diluted a little bit I feel I want the line to be blurred to I need to go to this place because the game dictates me to um I want it to be more like, oh my gosh, I want to go there to save the person I care about, you know? I think that's, it comes down to that, uh, if a story can hook me. I will say too, the environment that you, like, the world that you are in feels very much like as if you were actually going to be in, like, this lost city and, like, the jungle feels like a very real thing, very immersive. Like, even the stuff that you find in the water, there's, like, piranha and stuff like that that will attack you if you get too close or eels and, and that sort of stuff. They even, like, in research for this game, they took part, portions of their team to Peru, to Machu Picchu, and all this kind of stuff to get, like, a, a, a good picture of, like, what this world, you know, looks like. 
which I think is pretty cool. I feel bad for creators of Spider-Man game. We're going to New York. <laughs> but that team gets to go to Machu Picchu <laughs> in Peru. Yeah. <laughs> How is the writing? The games predicate on a heavy sense of mystery and awe in terms of like the tombs that because that's their big thing is like as you progress through the game you go through multiple tombs and you find multiple items and stuff like that throughout the games and the way that they introduce them is like you go you go through this nook and cranny and stuff and then it opens up into this ginormous like cave or plateau or stuff like that and it's beautiful it's like it's amazingly well designed um but so that is like a heavy chunk of that is like the story is in there you have motivations and stuff for like what you're doing um which are laid in the first two games um this one i think there's a little bit less of it although it's there and it's in a different form than the past two games it's i think it's more about finding these relics and you know trying to circumvent this major event that's been set in motion um from the early part of the game I think that makes sense for that type of game it's a survival game you're going to be by yourself mm-hmm. uh, she's not gonna, probably going to be talking to herself a lot right yeah there's like I will say that there is another character that had been apparent in the previous two games that's more apparent in this game mm-hmm. um, with you and so you guys do a lot of like conversing back and forth and there's supposed to be a relationship between the two of you that like stuff happens to one to you or the other person that kind of creates this uh, sense of um, emergency or how fragile life is. So it sounds like Jesse has a desire to 100% Spider-Man. Do you have a desire to see every nook and cranny of Tomb Raider? Um, not really, no. Why not? I think it's because with Spider-Man, you're in New York City and I mean, this could be different for other people, but I feel like in New York City, it's that is your entire game is in New York City, right? Yeah. The entire game isn't in this city. And it is big, but it's not as big as New York City. Um, in one plant, you've seen them all. Kind of, yeah. That being said, I mean, there's stuff to see and do and explore in the city, but it's not anywhere the scale and size that you would find. It's still, for the most part, like a fairly linear story. Cool. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah, that's good. You seem to really be into it, at least for the time being. Yeah. I'll let you know my full thoughts once I actually finish the game. Nice. You're, uh, through you, when you were talking, it it brought up a few things that, like, I completely forgot to talk about. (laughs) Like, when you started talking about the music. Um, I guess I'm, before I go on my tangent, uh, was it more like, musical ambiance and like the sounds of the jungle i just imagine in a survival type game you have the sounds of nature and you sort of want silence other than that Mm -hmm. yes so they have different sets of music for different things that are happening in the game so there is a lot of a large part of it that is kind of like this ambiance where it's just like the sounds or you're hearing calm chatter from the faction that's trying to circumvent you there is also events that will happen where basically like all hell breaks loose from an environmental standpoint 
and you have to basically beat the natural disaster that's happening before it like overtakes you. And so for that, they have like a lot of uh, percussion and stuff like that. That's kind of erratic. That gives you this sense of like, oh my God, I have to get out of here. Or I'm going to get screwed. I'm getting anxious. It's like hearing you describe yeah. it. Yeah. And then there's other parts where like there will be like the events of the Jaguar and stuff like that, where it's a different style of music, but it still gives you a different sense of like, I got to defeat this or I'm going to get eaten alive, you know, type thing. But then there's also parts where you're exploring a tomb or something like that, where it is more of either like a slight uh, ambient uh, score that's being played or just like more of like the environmental sounds or a combination of both. Because I felt with the Spider-Man game that it was very movie-like in its score. Um, it subtly reminded me of the Avengers theme actually. Um, like it felt like it was gonna roll into that and it never did. <laughs> but so whenever you're swinging around, it's like heavy score. Um, but then when you're on the street walking around, they almost completely remove that. And it's just the sounds in New York. Um, and there's always sounds in New York, even if it's subtle, there's always gonna be horn, uh, horns honking and people yelling at each other or whatever, <laughs> which was a nice touch. Um, but one thing that I thought was really cool was that whenever you do a leap off a tall building, and it has to be like a tall building, and you go into like specifically dive formation, they'll do this string ramp up music. And no matter they, no matter how tall you're falling from, they will only go into the main theme once you begin your swing. So like even if you're jumping off of like the Empire State or versus a shorter building, they time that like ramp up music perfectly to your fall, um, which makes it seem like the uh, soundtrack is like tailored to your moves, which it is. So freaking um, cool. Yeah. How do they do that? <laughs> Just how they do that, yeah. Um, I, I think that was well done. I think there wasn't much variety in the music, um, but the way they integrated it into the game was very well done, so. Well, and it sounds like you're giving it a huge compliment comparing it to the Avengers soundtrack. Well, not the, the, the Avengers theme. So. Oh, sorry. Um, so, like, it, it felt very movie-like. Um, they have, like, one main theme that sometimes they have the triumphant, or sometimes they have the, uh, the sad version of it. Like, it's the same melody, but they just play it differently. Um, yeah. I will say probably if I had to cover it over an entire umbrella, I wish there was more, and this is something we've covered quite extensively is having it's definitely playing upon the very well established formula of the past two games mm -hmm. which is great and they do take some you know risk in you know adapting and kind of essentially essentially making it bigger than what it was before but i also think like playing this game playing through some of the stuff in this particular game it felt very like been there, done that. Mm -hmm. um, and I wish they had taken, I don't know if it's risk or if they had tried like a different direction um, with some of the uh, mechanics and stuff that they've introduced in this one. How much t development time was there between the second and third? I wanna say quite a bit, cause it's been a, a long time since the second one. 
it's been several years i didn't even realize there was a third one i thought this was the second one <laughs> yeah because um, there's tomb raider rise of the tomb raider or yeah rise of the tomb raider and then shadow of the tomb raider that's surprising because like i could see that if they're trying to spit them out quickly them not breaking the mold much but if they had some i don't know if it's like the because i want to say crystal dynamics is working on something else right now and so it was passed on to, cause it's under the umbrella of Square Enix, I think. Um, and so Eidos Montreal was tasked with doing the main brunt of the work. Which you would think in theory that would potentially make it a little different, just their influence from, yeah. I mean, all the games that I've played that they've developed have been very different than what you're describing. It ve definitely very. I played a good chunk of the first Tomb Raider. I haven't finished it, but it is very, very different than the other stuff that they've worked on. Crystal Dynamics? No, uh, Eidos. Eidos did the third one. It, they didn't do the first one. Right. So the games that Eidos has developed, apart from the series that I played, are very different in terms of mechanics, like story. Every single thing about them is totally different. So I would think, in theory, that you know, them being on the team for development for this game, it would make you think that they would do some things differently. If they were going to do it differently, this would be the game, I guess, compared to the other two, just because there's the influence of them coming in and having different experiences. Yeah. I mean, there are things that are different. They do, I mean, playing two to three is like, there are things that they, you, they take in new directions and stuff like that. I think it's, they don't take enough risks. There's like a few just like small things here and there that they've done. But maybe it's like the games that they've done that are different. Are they coming in pre-existing games or is it a new IP essentially? Um, well, you know, I'm talking about Deus Ex. Yeah. Yeah. So. But you get to kind yeah, of like reinvent also, the wheel essentially for those kind of games. Like, yes, you have like the core formula of what Deus Ex is, but it's like, it's been however many years since anybody's touched that franchise um and so you get to kind of rebuild it from the ground up versus having two games that come back you know only three years ago that you're adding to you know yeah that makes sense so they haven't had as much distance from the last iteration yeah, yeah. that makes sense that being said it's still a fantastic game and i freaking love it okay i gotta throw in one more comment i, I can't believe i forgot about earlier but it's i'm gonna be thinking later tonight i can't believe i didn't bring up this point but uh i mentioned writing before with you but one thing that i feel like a lot of games lack is good writing a lot of times they end up repeating lines like sort of just filler lines um like whether that's NPCs or their hero just walking around they'll just keep saying like oh we gotta go here because the story oh dictates God. right <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard one line in the Spider-Man game repeated once. Like, uh, it's all very witty. It's all clever. Um, fits the characters wonderfully. And one in particular, like the call out, is they turn the J. Jonah Jameson character that he's. I think he used to be the head of the Bugle, but in this game, he is a, a radio show podcast host. So they basically turn him into an Alex Jones character. Oh my god! Um, but like, what? it fits perfectly because he is one. He he is that world's Alex Jones. So throughout your time swinging around, if a bigger story point happens, or not even a big story point, if like 
you do a side quest or you do one of those little tasks. Um, like I had to chase pigeons around for one of them. He, a little, you know, you can always turn it off if you want to, but while you're swinging around, you'll get an audio clip from his show and it'll be him commenting on whatever you just did. And it just, it's so great. And sometimes it's not immediate. Sometimes it'll take, you know, 10, 15 minutes, but it makes the world feel more like real, like in real time. Um, like, you know, you're affecting the world and the world is commenting on it. Um, and it's great because he just, it's, it's funny what he's saying. Uh, and it's also ridiculous, his little conspiracy theories, how he works every angle to make sure you are the bad guy in the scenario. <laughs> so he's like... Even with the pigeons? So if you're chasing the pigeons, basically, I don't know it verbatim, but what he says in the little thing afterward, he's like, oh, he has this producer, Jared, who he always talks about, like, producer Jared bringing in people to talk with him about it. He's like... You know, we don't even know if he's human under there. What if he's catching the pigeons to eat? There are some spiders big enough that eat birds in the rainforest. Yeah. <laughs> and he starts going on about that. It's just, it's so, it's so funny. It's great. I got like freaky Alex Jones vibes from it, but it fits his character perfectly. Um, and it just, that was like one little thing that just made it feel like what you were doing affected the world around you instead of checking off a list. So I will say too that especially in this game that kind of sets it apart from the previous two games. Um, it's always cool going into these tunes because they have, depending on which tomb it is, they will have these basically booby traps essentially. Um, and they will have these giant mechanisms and contraptions that's more of a puzzle that you have to solve um, that's really cool. And they definitely took it up a notch with this one because there's one, I remember one place in particular where I think it's kind of like early on in the game, or maybe kind of like midway in the game, um, where you are brought into this, they have this thing called challenge tombs which if you complete them, you get a special skill that you get to use th for the rest of the game. Um, but it's kind of like this kind of prolonged puzzle that you have to solve in order to get it. Anyway, um, the first one that I did, one of the first parts of the tomb is this ginormous contraption that is moving and you essentially have to move different levers and pieces to open up more parts of the contraption that's still moving that you have to traverse and pull and do more puzzles and levers to open up even more parts of the contraption. And then you have to traverse like all of that parts of the contraption that's moving and there's like giant bars that are like swinging that you have to dodge and roll and stuff like that too. Breath of the Wild. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. Was thinking. Really? Oh yeah. The, I did. Uh, the giant, uh, what are they called? Uh, the moving um, dungeons, the what are they called in this game? The mechanical beasts fan yeah. area. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think so. It feels very different from that kind of thing. That screen when you were describing that, it screamed the camel one to me. Gotcha. Is huh. it different than that? I guess yeah. At its core, maybe okay. it's probably similar. Um. I think it's just from the design perspective, it feels like that was something, cause she, she makes a comment as it's like moving and stuff like that. And you open up like the first piece 
that it's a miracle that it survived all these like earthquakes and natural disasters and that it's still like functioning and stuff um, is kind of like a testament to, you know, different cultures and societies that are no longer present, but we see remnants of their, whether it be mechanical feats or whatever, or aliens. <laughs> or aliens. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's just, it's so cool that this is something that was built however many years ago, and it's this very complex thing, yeah. and is still functioning. They're trying to work in some real history into fake history. Mm-hmm. Well, I love a good puzzle. That sounds awesome. Yeah. I would totally great. be into that. Your puzzles sound a lot more high level than the puzzles in Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny. It's like, at first you're like, this doesn't make any sense. Um, but then like once it clicks, it's like, oh yeah, this is, it's not too terribly complicated, I think. I would but, hope you'd get complex puzzles in a in a Tomb Raider game. Yeah, there's some things that took a while to like figure out that was like really frustrating. There weren't like the Skyrim puzzles where you just match up pictures. Yeah. There's more of like timing stuff because things are on timers and you have to race to like get to this other place and do stuff and yeah. Well, thank you guys for sharing your games with me. Thanks and I want to play both us, of them. Uh, talk at you about these games. I love hearing about people being <laughs> like, into play this game. <laughs> well, it's almost as good as being into a games like I know you guys are not not to this is not a put down, but you're picky. You know what you like and you know yeah. what you don't like. And when you like something, you really like it. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad to hear that you have stuff that you're into. It's awesome. It's like you have that. Um, I don't know. It's for me, like those kind of games linger in the back of my mind when I'm not playing them on some level and then I'll have like this moment where I'm like oh I get to play that game when I go home and then I get really excited yeah. and it's like you know these longer games you kind of get to live off of the that, those fumes for a while so that's Definitely. always nice I want you George to play Spider-Man and see if you think the graphics are better in Spider-Man or in Tomb Raider oh. sounds like a challenge oh. just saying <laughs> Cool. Well, this has been fun. Fun break from the format for a bit. So, yeah. Uh, Robert, it's your turn to finish a game that really excites you, or maybe not. If we, we could hear some rants on the show, that's fine too. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure we'll be doing this again at some point in the future, maybe the near future. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. See you next time. Mm-hmm.